This time on No, Not the Mind Probe, episode number six, mindless entertainment, John, just mindless entertainment, a lot like this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just something to to distract you from the horrifying events going on around you. Mm-hmm. I imagine people listening to this podcast in the middle of a bus, bus crash and they're just, but it, but you know what? It's keeping them calm through the bus crash. That's how I envision this. That's what right. I go for. So they're, they're finding the bus crash more soothing than this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John, death is my only friend, my constant and loving companion. Can you feel his his cold, cold presence? Ooh, there is a chill in here. Is that the window I left open or the cold presence of death, my constant companion? Do you feel it? I think it's just the window. Do you think it's death? What I do don't know. Think? It could be death. I can see a lamp behind you that could also be death. I don't no, know. I, oh, the lamp could be death. I do have the window <laughs> open, though. <laughs> Welcome to, no, not the Mind Problem, very dismissive, a podcast where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever. My name is John Grant, and I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I've been watching it for 35 years. And my name is Porter Mason, and John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 25 years, and I finally said yes. Ah, la, 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 la. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying the whole episode. Each episode, we'll attempt to make sounds with our mouths and tongues, and we'll look at two stories. We'll look through, we're going through the new series of Doctor Who. It started in 2005 in order, and then our Doctor Who sommelier, John, will pair that new story with a classic story. John, what do we have this week? Well, first of all, let me begin with it. We have a prober, a fan. Uh, I want to give a oh, shout the probe. out. I love, you know, I love to talk to the probers. Talk I love to the, probers. The, They're the yeah. audience. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to shout out to Joel, who's a friend of mine from high school, who I'm uh, informed by his Facebook page, listens to us in the shower. So okay. So okay. enjoy while bathing your undercarriage, Joel. Um, we yeah, appreciate you Joel. being along for the ride. <clears throat> All the crevices, make sure you get everything there. It's, you know, and also other thing in the shower. Yes, there's business to be done. But enjoy yourself a little bit too, <laughs> you know. It's, I'm glad you're listening to the podcast, and that way you're doing both. You, things. You've always been so pro shower. You really are something. Big big shower guy. Love showers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Joel will never listen to it again. But uh, I feel like it's been good. He's along for the Joel, ride. Keep probing, Joel. <laughs> keep probing in the shower. Oh, uh, oh, all right, anyway. Well, back uh, to my <laughs> earlier question. <laughs> what do we have this week, John? Uh, this week, uh, we have uh, The Long Game, uh, the next episode in Christopher Eccleston's run, a story by Russell T. Davies, the, the series runner. Um, and we have paired that with another media satire uh, from the 80s, the sixth Doctor episode, Vengeance on Varos. All right, now it's time to recap these episodes. We're going to start with the episode from the new series, The Long Game. This is season one, episode seven. It aired on the 7th of May, 2005. And here's a, a little clip that I believe you brought along, John. We'll put this up. There you go. Pocket money. Don't spend it all on sweets. Well, how does it work? Go and find out. Stop nagging me. The thing is, Adam, time travels like visiting Paris. You can't just read the guidebook. You've got to throw yourself in, eat the food, use the wrong verbs, get charged double and end up kissing <laughs> complete strangers. Or is that just me? Stop asking questions. Go and do it. Off you go, then. Your first day. You're going to get a smack, you are. I love that. A, a life advice. Life advice from the doctor. Get mm-hmm. out there and do it. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to, as we do on each episode, I'm going to try to recap these stories uh, from what I got from them. A new idiot walking in off the street watching this doctor who episode what what uh, yeah babe babe in the woods what what do i get from these and then you'll correct me and sort of tell me how wrong i am which is what doctor who fans love to do that's why it's such a welcoming (laughs) show (laughs) um okay the doctor rose and now this other dude adam who we we just heard who is not used to time traveling they head to the future but they don't travel too far as the doctor takes them to a satellite of earth during what he frames as the height of human civilization. The fourth but, and bountiful human empire. Yes, but at first, which is interesting, I'm going to ask more about Ooh. if we ever find out more about Ooh, the human empire. Teaser. But yeah. at first blush, uh, it just kind of looks like a busy market with loud vendors, like any city. That's sort of the the undercutting of that. And the doctor convinces uh, two women that he, he's trying to understand what's going on because it feels a little different than, to him than what he thought he was going to see. He talks to two women 
and convinces them he's a supervisor there to check up on them. They they give him a tour while Adam and Rose canoodle a little bit around town on their own. They uh, The three of them are on what appears to be a moon that's focused on creating entertainment or news uh, for others. And they all they all jack information into their brains via a port installed in their foreheads. But there's a sinister man, the editor, played by uh, Simon Pegg, uh, an actor and writer I like quite a bit, uh, controlled by this unseen boss at first unseen. And he's actually monitoring all their thoughts and punishing those who lie or just upsetting the balance of things. He plucks off one of the women the doctor met, who is actually a resistance spy, and he neutralizes her that he kind of zombifies some of these people he takes up there. Uh, and we get to see his boss, who is a hideous alien beast embedded in the ceiling, sort of uh, the opposite of the Sarlacc pit from Star Wars. It's sort of a, mm. a big beast with a daunting mouth, but at the top mm. rather than mm. at, at the mm. bottom. The mouse and out. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, Adam uh, goes off on his own, claiming to need space, but actually, mm-hmm. he is attempting to pull off some version of like Biff from Back to the Future Two by calling back to current day Earth and giving himself, I think, a download of what happened in the future. Like he's gonna, he's got an angle there. He, mm-hmm. He's gonna do something mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. He's trying to pack as much into his mind as possible. And he gets convinced uh, to do so, he's going to have a mind port installed, so he does. Meanwhile, Rose and the doctor and the other reporter are attempting to reach the fabled floor 500. As the doctor is sensing something is off with this whole thing, Simon Pegg and his boss, the Jagrafess, which is a great yeah, name, find the doctor and they plot to kill him and th- by they draw him up toward f- uh, floor 500. They, they kind of let him come to them. The doctor slyly lets the reporter lady know that the key is to overheat the Jagrafess as he's drawing all the cooling power from the whole planet uh, to stay alive. So the reporter jacks in, turns up the heat. We kill the big bad guy and Rose and the doctor collect Adam. They drop him off at his parents' house. They smash up his notes from the future so he can't go and, you know, recreate the first quantum computer or whatever he was planning on doing. And then after they leave, his horrified mom sees his mind port in action. It's a very kind of a black mirror <laughs> end of the episode. It's this horrifying thing for this one guy. Like he's punished for this bad deed. And and we leave him behind. And it's funny. Um, I, I want to hear what I got wrong, but what I I don't I didn't really like this guy, this character. Mm. And so it's so funny to me that the writers seem to like say hey come along for the ride actually we don't like you screw you here's a mind port and you're done <laughs> like they seem to tire of him <laughs> almost like they made the wrong choice like yeah you know what i don't want this guy <laughs> they wrote him out like in one episode but anyway john what did i get wrong here i mean you you nailed it you pretty much nailed it except of course it. i did it except of course it's not a moon it's a satellite it's satellite five it's referred to repeatedly and there are repeated establishing no 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 a moon <laughs> A moon is a satellite. I'm saying a moon is a satellite okay. of the Earth. Okay, nice, nice attempt to save it, but no. Well, that's right. It's, it's a satellite. Uh, Check your beloved Oxford English Dictionary and tell me that the moon, a moon, is not a satellite. <laughs> uh, I see what you're saying. Um, no, I think you, you you pretty much got the plot. It's it's not a particularly complicated one. Um, uh, it is the delightful appearance of Simon Pegg, who does a very good job, I think, uh, in this episode. Um, yeah, and, he's great. Uh, obviously, Simon Pegg, a famous nerd. Uh, you've seen Space, right? That's a, I love Space, and wonderful. I assume he's a big Doctor Who fan. I just yeah, assume he's, yeah. he's English. He's a sci-fi nerd, of course. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think um, I, I suspect uh, Nick Frost shows up in a later Doctor Who, which is oh, great cool. as well. Uh, but I suspect that um, uh, possibly Simon Pegg, um, who I think had probably just done Star Wars, uh, was on his way to Star Trek. He was just completing the trifecta. Just collecting, of, right. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't be surprised if part of it was like, "Ooh, Doctor Who's back! It probably won't last more than a season. I should probably get in this now." Ooh, I, I'm just thinking <laughs> about this. He's going for the equivalent of like the ego. Got, but he yeah it's like is he is he in a lord of the rings yet did he make it into the new hobbit movies that, that would be the other one i think yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he should be a bit or the or the new dune movie he's, he's got a lot of like get into all these <laughs> he's things got a lot he's got on his plate um so yeah he and he actually he does a good job i think he, he does a great he's, job, he's a good yeah. character he's, he's funny he does he's he's a little bit weird um and and considering he doesn't 
actually get to act against anyone. It's a special effect for the, the right. Griffiths, and then some zombies, and then only the doctor comes at the very end. And those zombies are giving him nothing. Yeah, nothing, they, to, nothing work to work with. with. Nothing at all. Just just staring straight ahead acting. Um, this is a um, uh, this is Russell T. Davies, so the, the showrunner wrote this episode. Interestingly, this okay. is an episode that he submitted to the Doctor Who production office in the 80s. Uh, some huh. version of this, and, and so finally got to, to do it. Um, it is a media satire, or it's meant to be a media satire. I I was a little disappointed in that element. <laughs> I, I, so I, I um, uh, yes, it's like they're saying, oh yes, look, we control the world through the press, but we never see any media. We never see the press. We never we see it see see effect on anyone. This. Right. We see the effect on the employees of the media and how they're controlled. Which is sort of different, yeah. Yeah, but even there, it's not like it's not like they're being told to write a story or to somehow shape it. It's assumed that's what's going on, and and it is. That's the point of you know they get there and Adam says, "Oh, where are the aliens? Where's this great development?" And Christopher Eccleston says, "The doctor says, well, you know, they aren't." Yes, it should be more developed. It should be different. Um, and so the point is, oh, they've been manipulated by the news to not advance the way they were supposed to. Um, and again, it's 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 an interesting idea, right? I, I mean, it is a good thing to to satirize. It's certainly something we could we could <laughs> it's certainly something that's happening we could be concerned about. Um, but it's just you don't you never see the effect of it. It's just you're just kind of told that's what's happening, and then it's like, but now there's a monster in the ceiling, and you just kind of move on from there. Well, it's funny because it's the opposite of some of them. I haven't even seen some of the longer uh, serialized stories in the old uh, in the old series, but in the old Doctor series, but the new series suffers can can suffer in this case from the opposite which is like well they only have 45 minutes so they're not like really going through this idea they just sort of speak to it and then move on but you know yeah you'd actually like to see like well how is this harming the world now what does this look like on the other planet uh how really we just see the there's sort of a thought police aspect of this one woman's a spy who apparently this is working so well that they're sending in kind of revolutionary spies right. to sort of overthrow it. So there's something going on here, but we yeah. just never see much of it. You don't have time. Yeah. And it's it's like they wrote a story but they focused on the wrong thing and the story, the background story is more interesting. Um uh so yeah, it's not quite the it's it's not quite the the satire you were hoping uh or you would hope it would be. Um and uh, um, uh, yeah, it's so it's inter- it's a very at the time it came out, I think a lot of reviews were kind of like mm, it's just kind of a middling story. Um, yeah. uh, what do you make of the title, "The Long Game"? The Long Game. You know, that's really funny. Uh, so because when we I was writing down here to, I just sort of watched the next episode in the in uh, mm-hmm. in CBS All Access. Once again, CBS All Access, an amazing, <laughs> amazing online streaming platform. I didn't really notice the title when I was writing it down. Uh, there was a disconnect there where I couldn't quite remember why was this. I don't know why this was called the long game. So I make nothing of it. I got nothing out of it. <laughs> I just sort of saw that title when I was uh, recounting the episode, and I thought I don't, I don't really get that. So sorry. No, um, no, I, I, uh, I didn't either. Uh, I remember when it came on, I was like, I don't quite follow this. And um, uh, suffice to say, we Comes will play find later. out. Yeah. Um, so you uh, you mentioned this last episode too. They're starting to starting to drop breadcrumbs yeah. more and more. Yeah. yeah. Um, and interesting. I, I don't know where there's there's a specific breadcrumbs. A specific two word phrase is repeated every episode, and I'm not and sure it wasn't this wrote. one again. I'm not sure if I remember that or not, but it must have been there. I'm sure okay. it was there somewhere. Um, it can be very subtle. Uh, yeah. Um, and then Adam, as uh, you, as you sort of, uh, yes, they added this companion at the end of the last episode. Um, and in our last podcast episode, record, I recorded so long ago, I can barely so remember. Ago. I don't really I, remember that one. I vaguely recall that we really didn't talk about Adam <laughs> much at all. Um, right. And because uh, to me, it was a big surprise. So what happens is at the end of the last episode, which is a, a Dalek, the whole episode happens. He's there. He he's sort yeah. of a background character in the show. And at the end, suddenly Rose. I mean, there's some mention that like, oh, you think he's cute, and then uh, th- that's the only mention of him really throughout. And then at the end, Rose said, oh, why don't he come with us? Because he really is interested in. So he's very smart and he's interested in outer space. And that just sort of happens to me. It was quite a quite a surprise. And then to have him just here be a kind of a dick, and then immediately get like canned in one episode was funny to me now this wasn't a big franchise yet in the uk at this point i mean they didn't know that 
But to me, how annoying would that be to be like, oh, I made it. I'm on, I'm on the TARDIS. Like I, I'm a companion. Oh, and then you get next week's script, you know, and then it's like, oh, well, I guess not. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, if I, I remember reading about it correctly, uh, it was intentional to sort of show, hey, you know, not everyone can can be like Rose is special. Yeah, she's yeah, she's clearly different. She's clearly special. Um, and yeah, you know, some other other people would would misuse the privilege of traveling in time or wouldn't be it just wouldn't be the same. Um, yeah, so to sort of highlight how different she is. Um, it's it's a weird it is a weird move, right? To say, and and the interesting thing is he gets basically sidelined it's not like he's integral to the story either like he's, no, he's his own sidelined story. yeah and then yeah yes at the end it does come back that they find out who the doctor is and get the tardis key from him so he does play that right, role. Right. other than that um yeah it is it is um it's a weird thing um the other big uh thing in here is um there is another big guest star uh tims and grieg who plays the nurse um who's who puts the thing in his head she's actually a pretty well-known comedian uh she's in oh. i think it's green wing which is a, a, a hospital comedy but then um, i know her from uh black books have you seen black books i've not uh it's a hilarious sitcom from the early 2000s with dylan moran uh who runs a used bookshop and and she's runs the place oh i've heard of that yeah it's very very good uh it's very funny uh to tune into the black books podcast uh, yeah. <laughs> right. part of our empire of uh, the probe podcast uh, but it's, it's probing black books um but uh yes no she's very so she's i mean she's not a huge star but she's fairly well known and i think again kind of a bit part here and i don't know if she just was a fan and wanted to be in it or not or if simon Pegg and you know i think she's definitely in his world uh was in it so like okay let's let's do this um but yeah um so she's in kind of a, a very quick throwaway role um and she's good I yeah mean, she's good yeah. i mean no it, it, it's but yeah it's just a sort of a and and again this is another episode where and, and this was a thing that was commented on as as the series was going out which was this is yet another episode where the doctor is not the prime agent of the solution right that he's trapped and it's the it's the it's the woman who you know wanted to she makes this heroic move to, yeah the ambitious journalist who wants to make this big move and then she's the one who because he has explained to her what's going on, she figures out, you know, how to defeat the monster. Uh, and in, and um, I, I think it's a very deliberate choice by Russell T. Davies to sort of show the doctors. He's not always going to solve the problems. He is the he influences other people. He brings out the best in other people. Right. Um, or that that's what he wants to do. And I think that's right. also what's going on with Adam is to sort of say it doesn't always work. Right. He brings out the best in Rose. He brings out the best in this uh, in this woman whose name we can't remember. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> but uh, she's obviously very major. Um but doesn't with Adam uh, and uh, you know, so it's not sort of foolproof, but um, yeah, there is that sort of critique of, well, he's the hero, but he has not actually solved the problem um, himself necessarily. in in most of the episodes are going on, right? It was Rose that, that, you know, just the swings through and knocks the thing into the, uh, into the nesting. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's never, uh, I guess he does kind of in the uh, end of the world, but, um, uh, but you know, on quiet dead, it's, it's, uh, it's the, it's the maid who stops them and, or it's in Dickens who comes up with the solution to get them out. Right. Everything is someone else. And Mickey's the one who runs the computer and right, all that right. sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, there was sort of a little bit about, Hey, the doctor's the hero. He should be the agent here. Um, but instead they, they sort of go with, Oh, well, no, you know, he, he inspires other people to be the best of themselves. Well, the journalist woman, her name is Kathika. Oh yeah. Okay. And she actually has, I, this is funny. It must just be in the script, but it's Kathika Santini Cadeni, which hmm. I, I don't think was ever really mentioned here. But <laughs> um, and she's played by Christine Adams, who does a good job. Well, so I apologize to Christine if, she, if you're listening to the podcast, Christine, which probably you are. Christine uh, might be a prober. Yeah. Oh, I would hate <laughs> sorry, for her to hear that. Sorry yeah. that we didn't know your name. You do an excellent job as a great role. Well, excellent performance. So. Well, I wanted to mention, um, and this certainly is a thing that happens in shows, and we've talked about the budget uh, on this show, that I thought one of the things that harmed this, too, is when they got there, they said, hey, we're in the middle of this bustling city. And then they had that scene where the whole idea is, oh, well, you know, it's just any any street corner. But it also just didn't look like that many people in the city. And it just didn't <laughs> look, it looked pretty small and contained and especially remember we just saw these two episodes that were clearly the big budget ones where you know a spaceship crashed into london there's lots of big crowd scenes there's just tons and that all looked 
great. I mean, whether they actually had that many extras or they just shot around it really well or used beef, beef footage, I don't know. But it looked that aspect of those episodes looked really good. This was clearly on a soundstage and it's like two dozen people or not even two dozen, like a dozen people on this side and then cut over here. Oh, have them dress something else and then stand over here. <laughs> and it just looked um, you just didn't buy the that you were in this future six. Actually, a similar thing that they did in a completely different way is the end of the world where and they did have some crowd scenes on there too like you bought that you were in this far-flung future and of course they they used there was aliens there too so i guess that helped but i just thought i wasn't the effects were really flat on this and you just weren't really drawn in other than the jagger fest was cool yeah and simon Pegg, he did a great job just in this little area um but yeah those those I'm in the middle of the city scenes just really didn't look <laughs> real. Yeah. At all. And is this sort of the, they're in the year 200,000 and all the technology <laughs> yeah. and the clothes look roughly the same, right? They're like, we're so far ahead. Um, and it's weird. And they almost could have explained it away in that they say, you know, the, the media manipulation that the satellite has been doing has sort of stro- stopped them. evolution dead. But then they say it's only been 90 years. It was like, well, still in one hundred and ninety thousand and ten, <laughs> like the hope we, yeah. we would have still probably changed fashion a little bit more than we have, um, and you know, we might not have, we might have gotten away from cash points and uh, and things like that. So, I mean, obviously, yes, people snap and their heads open up and and the electric rays go in them. So that's different. That's new. That's fun. That's fun. But I think we're headed there anyway. In the next couple of years. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was um, this is definitely a budget episode. It was definitely, like, hey, we've got to do, uh, you know, we're, we're, we can't do something huge every time. Um, uh, and it is I mean, it's interesting. It's like, uh, gosh, I'm even thinking of the Dickens episode. You had a theater full of people. Right. I mean, like, again, and I'm, I'm apparently my only measure for if I like a show is if there's, if there's a lot of people. Seen, <laughs> I guess I just mean I was thinking back to that episode and realizing like, oh, wow, they chose to have several scenes with large crowds yeah. or any number of other things. And they kind of sold you on it. They made it work. Whereas this, they kind of wrote a script that they couldn't quite pull off. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it, it, they say it's a, it's an idea that Davies submitted in the eighties and things like that. And you do, it does feel a little half developed and you, you just, I mean, the poor guy was trying to create the series from, from the start of the series as the first season coming up with all these ideas and had to get this arc together and stuff like that. And you do kind of wonder if he's like, uh, I need a seventh, a sixth episode. Uh, here we go. <laughs> well, look, you did a great job. And we know for a fact, Russell T Davies, big prober, big, yeah, big, big prober, Russell, so. we love you. you everything has been excellent so far um you know one this, is, this is a good one but not the best <laughs> one last thing i wanted to ask is this the Stand shortest <laughs> is this the shortest stint for any companion a single episode um no uh in the very ooh, the second third season of william hartnell um there was a woman sarah kingdom who traveled in the tardis and she is considered a companion but she did not make it through the episode. It's a very interesting oh, why. I mean, she made she made it about uh, it was a, it was a twelve part Dalek epic story, and she traveled to a bunch of different places. So that's I think why she's considered a companion. But um, within that story, she she did eventually die. Spoiler she alert! Made it through the story. Spoiler so she alert! It, yeah, she made it through several episodes. Yes, uh, but she's considered a companion for for various reasons. Um, uh, uh, partly because she's played by Jean Marsh, who's a very big. Uh, she was in Upstairs Downstairs, the creator of Upstairs Downstairs, and some other big uh, shows. She's and movies and things like that um but yes uh, uh adam is definitely it's very rare that this happens that someone comes on board seems like they're going to be a new companion and then is immediately discarded <laughs> all right let's move on to recapping our classic episode classic. vengeance on varos this is a uh, season 22 serial two so they're a uh, running out of steam at this point <laughs> season 22 this is january 19th and 26 uh 1985 mm-hmm. and uh john i believe you brought along a clip you want me to run that one i did let's do a clip this is from the end of the episode because it's the only interesting part <laughs> the cameras are still functioning let the show begin i want to hear them scream till i'm deaf See their limbs twist in excruciating agony. Ultimately, their blood gush, flow, 
along the gutters of Varus. The whole planet must delight in their torture and death. An excellent scenario. Not mad about the part. That's another uh, one that you want to... I'm sure you want to work those lines into a a, a meeting at work. Yeah, at cheerful, point. hammy, the <laughs> blood gushing through the <laughs> Just something light for children. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to attempt to recap this horrifying episode. <laughs> not to not to give a tell onto where it shows up in my ranking. <laughs> um, but and but again, as actually with all of these, there are actually some bright spots that I really really enjoyed. But overall, it's 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 pretty tough. Um, so we open smash cut in media res. An older couple uh, is in some sort of mining town, uh, and they seem to almost be in a cave. And they're they're just kind of bickering over their lives. It's a it's a, an Archie bunker of Doctor Who land, and they're tuning in to watch as we all would love to a live torture and execution. And they seem to be shown these prison tortures for pleasure. And then they get to vote on an almost daily basis uh, whether on certain aspects of the government. And then a negative result for their governor, if, if, he, if people do not vote for his initiatives, uh, he is tortured in front of them as well. And it seems like ultimately until he dies and then that's when you get a new governor. So that's how we, we see a lot of them at the beginning. They're, they're set up at the beginning. They actually bookend the the story the sixth doctor uh is aboard the tardis with perry who's a hot looking but incredibly annoying young <laughs> i'll say in quotes american uh <laughs> but that so, yeah we'll talk about her accent mm-hmm, we will. um and they bicker over a lot of tardis just gobbledygook that this is this is the episode where there was the most just nonsense said on the tardis maybe it all hangs together but it really just was I mean, I felt I felt for the actors in terms of like, wow, you were just being asked to read some <laughs> garbage like spaceship things, Techno you know. Um, yeah. Ultimately, we find that they need fuel, Zaton Seven, and Perry recommends that they travel. They have sort of one last time jump in them, and they said, "Well, why don't we travel to the planet with the source of the Tardis juice, uh, which is with which is Varos, Varos." Uh, <laughs> And which happens to be the same planet we've been watching, John. I was like, what a coincidence. So, um, so more on Varos. There, there's a governor and then a military presence as well as corporate overlords. The people elect the governor who's seemingly in charge, but then the military controls punishment and enforces the rules. And they, I don't think they can be voted out in the same way, but the corporate overlords are really running the whole show embodying in our story by a slug like guy who he said his name is sill sill yes. and he he's bargained down the planet's mineral prices and keeping them in poverty overthrow the slug like corporate overlords bernie 2020 absolutely uh the governor it's not going well for him it's mm-hmm. not going well no. he's lost several votes and he decides to mix things up by killing uh, a major separatist rival or, or rebellious uh, person john door to win some votes and right as they're about to do that the doctor and perry arrive and they free john door and then the doctor perry and john door and his lady friend run around this maze-like prison area or the or the mines i'm not sure but it's it's anyway they're running around and they're avoiding <laughs> the cops and also these sort of mind traps that are down there and the soldiers are chasing them in slow-moving golf carts. <laughs> Very slow-moving. And the whole thing is being televised. And our older couple, we keep checking in on them. And they they love it. They actually, what we see is occasionally when we check in on them, this is like, very different they haven't they don't normally see this so this is great actually no they mentioned that they follow some rebel bands around because right. they say oh this group is doing better yeah. than some of the ones in the past ultimately the ladies are captured and they're put into a transmogrification machine and i know what that word means from calvin and hobbes calvin and hobbes that's yes, exactly what i was thinking <laughs> <laughs> they they are turned into their spirit animals mm-hmm. and perry becomes a bird person and the other lady a reptile the doctor is about to be killed but at the last second, he reveals how important Zaton 7 could be. And we find out that the whole execution was a farce to draw information out of him. Okay. And then they they free Perry, who was totally fine as if nothing happened within like <laughs> two minutes. And I should mention that there's quite a big special effect, it seemed to me, to mm-hmm. make her into this bird creature that we never even really fully see on screen. So I, I don't quite understand that. Maybe you'll have more on that. Um, But 
they uh the doctor and perry and the rebels escape again and they run around again in the maze area <laughs> there's more weird mind tricks including a really dumb interaction with a close-up video of a fly mm. and then there's they catch the fly and it was all in their mind everybody returns to the governor and the slug dude sill who orders his people to attack and they do but then they decide not to since they both found another planet with zaytan 7 and also desperately need you lots need of zaytan yeah. 7 yeah so i don't i didn't quite that didn't check out to me <laughs> why that would mean they're calling everything off but more importantly it was just a complete deus ex machina nothing anyone did really mattered mm. but the entire society has been changed and upended and the governor frees everyone and then the end is the older couple who's are staring They've been told you're free now. You don't have to do this. And they're staring slack jawed at their TV and the white noise saying, well, what do we do now? We don't mm -hmm. know what to do. So mm -hmm. it's a very, very chilling <laughs> ending there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so plenty more to talk about this. But but John, what did I miss? Uh yeah, I think you did the best you could. Um, <laughs> this is considered one of the greatest episodes of Doctor Who ever. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> like, this was it. it was holding out. Plot, I guess I, don't <laughs> I was know. I was holding out for this one for you, and frankly, you've devastated me. Um, no, I, uh, um, this is considered probably the best or one of the best of the Six Doctors era, um, and it says okay. a lot about what was wrong with that. Era. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot to say about him. <laughs> it's he's yeah. So uh, a lot of it is in the writing. Is written by a guy named Philip Martin, who was uh, known for a series called the uh, a gang. I guess it was just called Gangsters, um, and also for writing for a police show called Zed Cars, which is sort of the the British equivalent of Hill Street Blues, although a little bit earlier. But sort of their sort of uh, quintessential cop show. It seems very much a hard hitting, and also Gangsters apparently is quite experimental, sort of. I've never actually seen it, so I, I'm just going off other things I've read in Doctor Who commentaries about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, you know, and uh, and so he came to write this. Uh, it was, uh, you know, as you say, it went out in early 1985. So clearly, 1984 was on everybody's mind. Uh, I, I think they had just done a major adaptation on the BBC or movies, obviously. With 1984, the year coming around, everybody was like, "Hey, what if we did 1984 the book?" Uh, now would be the time, right? It's like <laughs> that occurred to, that occurred to everyone around that time, and and they all seem to think they thought of it independently. Yeah. And, you know. Except for the one guy in 1985 who was like, "What if?" Ah, oh, damn. Uh -huh. um, what about now? So yeah, this is, uh, and I picked this because it is supposed to be a commentary on television at the time, uh, and in violence on TV, right? Right. Um, but part of why I think it, it fails is that it is incredibly violent in a way that Doctor Who normally isn't. Uh, the scene, the acid bath scene where he, oh, he yeah, pushes the people in. Nuts. It's very, it's very brutal. And then, um, you know, again, people have commented like, hey, he could have run away, but he pushes the guy in and he pauses for the James Bond sort of sorry if I don't join you quip, which everybody's like, that's not what he, what the doctor should do. Yeah. Um, it's uh, uh oh uh, so uh, uh, John Dar not John Dor but John <laughs> John Dar John Dar by the way before we, before we move on from the ass of that I wanted to make a note um that uh, I really hate the score in this uh, a lot Very and there is uh when he is pushed into the acid vat there is a, literally a sad trombone sound of, <laughs> It's so well, silly. This is the 80s, very synth uh, uh, score. Yeah, uh, very yeah, bad. Um, <laughs> uh, John Dar is played by uh, Jason Connery, Sean Connery's son. Uh, he was not possibly so the worst. Good, <laughs> yeah, he was he's really bad. I called Sean and tried to say something, but you know, you just can't get through to him. I want to say the acting. It's it's really funny because again, the it's the 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 show in general is really. Um, all over the place just extreme yeah <laughs> the, i mean no doctor who in general i'm saying it's just mm -hmm. all over the place sometimes very up very down they like have these really well written scenes that are completely ancillary and then anyway um so as i was watching it the old couple is great mm -hmm. like i really enjoyed them and i thought it was great and there's certain parts of the whole episode that are written very with their interactions are written very well mm -hmm. and then there's parts like um John Dor, John Dar, I can't yeah. say it. Um, <laughs> who I don't even know how his lines were, but he was just so wooden and bad. He's not the, good. Then the Doctor and Perry, um, 
they're not written well either. I mean, like, you know, and, but but then also the actors were doing a poor job of saying what they were written. Like, it, it was both. It it was just really up and down. And then Syl was amazing. Right. Yeah. I mean, incredible. So, so yeah. uh, you know. Syl, Syl is played by a guy named Nabil Sh- uh, Shaman. Shaman, I think it is. Um, he is a... Uh, little person i believe that's what we can call them now. okay uh he's a little person uh and uh and it was delivered they they wanted so you know he's in that tank with the bubbling water and so what one of the things that the producer said is we want to we want it to people not think it's just some guy standing in a tank with his head sticking into the body so like that's why it's clear and you can see the water like they were like look you can yeah. see that it's um he's very good he developed that laugh himself oh, the, uh, the things that he's eating that he's eating the marshmallows are uh are canned peaches dyed green <laughs> disgusting <laughs> and um no he's excellent it's a great character it, and it was meant to be sort of an 80s commentary on capitalism the mentors the, the species he's from you know are, are from another planet and they're you know i was trying to sort of uh, uh screw these people over um yeah, the um uh the Dontre and Perry uh Ugh. this is uh, one of the things that happens a lot in this season uh is and I looked at it I, I wrote it down here it's twenty three minutes into the story before they even arrive on the planet. <laughs> yeah, no, I made a <laughs> totally note irrelevant. About 15, I made a note about fifteen minutes and I was like, great, so they're just out of power the whole episode and they're just going to argue about it. Like they're just looking at the book and it's just it's uh, yeah, it's body. a weird they the the writing. Uh, so Colin Baker plays the Sixth Doctor. Um, I like uh, so he is. Um, I, I am loathe, especially if he's a pervert. Colin, if you're listening, at the end of this, you you come out okay. But um, uh, I um, he of my of the original doctors, he's definitely the lowest of, on my list, and not because of him, but because the story season are just not good. Um, and like I said, this is considered one of the better ones. Um, he's, I felt in it. It's funny you say that because what I felt in it is. I feel that the writer has an antipathy towards the doctor. Like he wants to write the other parts. Yes. Yes. And that's uh, so, so at the time this was the series producer was John Nathan Turner. who He'd been producing for a while since the end of Tom Baker, actually. So he'd been through Peter Day. He'd cast Peter Davison and he cast Colin Baker. This was Colin Baker's first season. He was only in two seasons. Uh, so this is his first season. Um, and, um, the script editor was a guy named Eric Sayward and Eric Sayward. Uh, and the, at this point, <laughs> they basically, you know, as we've talked about in the past, they ran the series together. At this point, they loathed each other, the producer. And the oh, so they absolutely hated each other. Um, and Sayward was... I, I think he's a good writer. I just don't think he's a good Doctor Who writer. I think he he just he had trouble, and this may be a reflection of the '80s a little bit. He just had trouble imagining a world where, um, you know, this this Lily White hero could survive in a world where there's all this violence and other things. And so, I think you're absolutely right. I think this story somewhat reflects sort of his uh, his um, perspective and and maybe Martin's perspective a little bit too, which is. How do you, you know, you've got, you've set up this horrible place, this torture zone and all this other stuff. This plant's terrible. And then you try to bring in this saintly Lily White character. Like, what do you do? And who won't commit any violence? What do you do with him? How do you, how do you make that work? And that's reflected in a lot of the Sabred stories or the ones that he sort of sees to. And, and his favorite characters are the antiheroes, right? The people who are sort of bad and, uh, um, end up doing, you know, something good in the end. But he, he definitely struggles with the doctor. Uh, Colin Baker was not Sayward's choice to be the doctor. He was not particularly fine. Um, he was com- famously Colin Baker was cast because, uh, the producer was at a wedding, uh, and Colin Baker was there and was being very witty and gregarious. <laughs> so he's like, Oh, you should be the new doctor. <laughs> um, he was famous. He was, he was actually famous for being in a show called the brothers with, uh, Paul McGann, who later became the eighth doctor. Um, and he's a good, he's a very good actor and he's, he really redeems himself in the audios. But so part of the deal with him was he wanted to play that. He was like, he famously said, I'm going to beat Tom Baker's record. Um, and then he was fired a year later. <laughs> he ends up being the shortest doctor. Uh, Meaning in terms of oh, the length. Number of, of years. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. I, I, he wanted, he really wanted to play it. He thought it was great. And, he, and so one of the things he said is he, what they wanted to do was they were going to make the doctor really prickly and sort of alien and, and unapproachable at the beginning. And then slowly over time, soften the character as sort of an, a long-term arc, but they didn't have time to do that. And, and, and again, people didn't warm to this character. Um, the very first episode he appears, 
usually after the doctor regenerates, he's a bit unstable and, and, and stuff. He tries to strangle Perry. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, and, then, and then he's, you know, it's his, his muddled mind or whatever. And they, they, but they always sort of had this antagonistic relationship with each other. Um, and, uh, and she had been with the fifth doctor for only like two stories. So she's basically the sixth doctor's companion. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, it was, um, it's funny that you say he's somewhat abrasive. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have, there was some of that to me. It was more, it was just, it was honestly just the line readings were really tough. And he, he, he also, the costuming was way over the top. I mean, the question marks, suspenders and just too yeah. much. And, and then, so he, they kind of made him look, he looked like Harpo Marx. Yes. Um, or sort and then also kind of like Will Ferrell. Um, and so it's funny. I didn't find him abrasive. I just found him like completely ridiculous. He didn't seem like he was in any situation. And then in this particular episode, they try to put him into some peril where, you know, you're supposed to think he's really being tortured and his mind is being controlled and like, just don't buy it. Like you just don't buy anything about this person. (laughs) And again, the line readings are so flat. And then especially, I mean, the chemistry between him and Perry is like, it's non-existent. They're just, they're just two people in a room reading the things they were told to read. Um, Maybe they're both good actors, but in these moments, they really weren't. Um, Perry was, uh, let's talk about her briefly. Well, we're going to, she's going to be in the, you know, the, both yeah. these people are going to be in the shows where we can focus on them in like a theme section later. But just briefly, it was like, okay, yeah, she's cute. She has boobs. We all saw the boobs. <laughs> That's fine. But the accent is poor and just not only is it poor, but they picked an accent that even if she was getting right, it's a grating American accent. <laughs> so... That's just tough. I mean, she is. So the uh, so yes, she is English, uh, playing an American. Uh, the producer wanted the doctor who was just getting slightly bigger in America, and the producer wanted to appeal to the American audience. He's like, "What if we had a badly uh, performed American accent? That's what Americans <laughs> will want." I love she's, that. She's supposed to be from the Baltimore area, apparently. <laughs> that's, that's a hard accent. I mean, if you're really right. doing that. I, I don't actually, I, I mean, I live in D.C., spoiler alert. Uh, I guess that's not really a spoiler. But anyway, I live in D.C., and um, uh, I don't quite know what the Baltimore, the only reason I know what a Baltimore accent is supposed to sound like is the 30 Rock episode where they, they talk, Elizabeth Banks is supposed to be, does a, an advertisement for Overstock.com, and uh, she's like, oh, that was before I lost my Maryland accent, and then they switch her. She's like, oh, do you owe? Oh, no. <laughs> like is that a maryland accent yeah <laughs> so balmer balmer accent you, you can watch there's there's episodes of uh previously referenced show the wire uh they have some some of the yes. older white people in the wire have the the cops yeah. have the balmer accent it is about baltimore so that would make sense um yeah she's um that's nicola bryant uh she um was in large part cast because of her, her impressive attributes um she uh her very first episode she appears in a bikini um they clearly knew what they were doing um uh, and um uh yeah she's but uh um, so both her and colin baker uh are in the audios and uh baker's become one of the most popular uh of the audio uh doctors um because he has been able to do what he wanted to do over time he's not saddled with that horrible coat like yes the costume was terrible the the um, so the costume was the producer said i want something outlandish to sort of demonstrate the the how sort of fractured his mind is right that he's kind of erratic and and what whatnot so something that reflects that and the costume designer kept showing him ideas and he kept saying no go wilder go wilder and so finally sarcastically the costume designer designed that coat and said well what do you want something like this he goes yes that's it <laughs> so that's how the the question, coat, it yeah. almost like breaks the fourth like the exactly. question marks break the fourth wall of the show it's exactly. like he doesn't he's not doctor who that's not right. He doesn't know that. I mean, that's not, exactly. I don't know. And the, uh, uh, Davison has the question mark collar, but that's very subtle compared to uh, whatever the hell's going on here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, <laughs> it's a, it was a, it's a misfire on every level. Baker uh, is a nice, clearly a nice man. Again, Baker, big prober. Love you. Stay, big stay listening. Yeah, we're, we'll get to some good stuff on you. Um, great in the audience. Obviously a very good actor. Uh, but uh, just it's more the direction of what the show is doing is just a misfire here. Uh, he was fired 
uh, at the end of the second se- his second season. Uh, and in fact, he's the only doctor who's never, he did not, he, uh, they fired him. Then they said, will you come back and film a regeneration scene into the seventh doctor? He's like, no, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Since we are adherents of the repeating themes, it's time for the theme section. It's time for the theme section. Very loungy theme section theme. Yeah. Like yeah. 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 Come on down to the theme section. <laughs> Pick up a chair and set a spell. Uh, we have a couple themes here, John. Uh, one, obviously, um, the, the biggest one, I think, why you picked these two episodes are these are both media satires. So let's talk a little bit about Doctor Who's relationship with the media. Yeah. Um, I have nothing to say. End of theme section. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's an interesting uh, aspect of, obviously with science fiction, you could do a lot of, of, of satirical kind of stories and, and allegories. And, and there is some of that. It's not a thing they do a lot uh, or, or, and certainly not as explicitly as often as we see in these two stories. Um and I don't, it, it may, there may be a reason. I mean, we may kind of, neither of these <laughs> neither, stories neither does it really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the long game, it's, I, I almost, I almost feel like the long game was like, uh, it, they recognize it's not a great story. There's not a lot going on. So let's, let's quickly just smear on a layer of satire. Like, ah, the press. Um, and, and again, Benjamin's on Varus, maybe there was an attempt to do some set. Obviously there is like reality show and yeah, but yeah, there, I think Benjamin's on Varus, like there's an interesting idea there and showing and then framing the story as showing, by the way, like no one interacts with the old couple. It's not like yeah. they ever connect. So like, and that's the most that clever interesting. part. Yeah. And, and then it's interesting that they sort of set up this government who they say quite clearly we're exporting our uh torture we're we're, right. we're exporting the entertainment drawn from this torture like there's interesting ideas there it at least gets past that um the long game as we discussed never even really quite other than just sort of saying they speak to it they say like well when you control information you can just control everything they just sort of say it they don't like do anything about right. it <laughs> you know um, like whereas, why I guess, or who what, what were they controlling it what were they trying I, to say right. i can't believe i'm sticking up for vengeance on bars <laughs> here but <laughs> um, but i feel like they at least handle handle the satire aspect of what's going on a little better yeah um, i mean and there's i mean but again it's sort of like what is so vengeance on virus would have been 84 it was written in 84 uh it came out in 85 um you know it was before reality television but at the same time, after Network, right? So the, I mean, mm-hmm, you've seen the right. movie Network, right? And that one pretty much predicted reality TV sh- shockingly right, accurately. Right. Um, uh, and so, uh, um, was it Patty Chayefsky? Is that the yeah, writer? Patty Chayefsky. I just want to name check Patty so we can get on the Patty <laughs> Chayefsky. Huge prober. <laughs> yeah. Big time prober. Patty, we love you, baby. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think they were... Um, and I guess, I mean, it, it would have been, we were, we would have been pretty young, um, uh, and, and less into the torture movies that than maybe we are <laughs> now. But like, I mean, I guess there was a concern that I, if you think about how movies were in the late seventies, early eighties, they are remarkably violent. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure uh, there was a moral panic about that. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that was going on. Um, and, but then, you know, again, I think, um, I think where Varos fails is, it's also just unremittingly nasty and doesn't really redeem it. Like it's meant to be commenting on it, but at the same time has, you know, the acid bath scene and, and other scenes of violence and torture. And that right, speech right. That we quote, and it's like, okay, if you're going to comment on this, then maybe you should also not use that. <laughs> well, also, you know, stepping back from it a bit. And part of this is maybe just the bad plotting or whatever went into how the episode wrapped up. Um, nothing about the fact that they were, monetizing torture led to the downfall of the civilization they just sort of stop they just say hey let's not do that it's probably a bad (laughs) idea but but it's never there's nothing i don't know that's not really they just sort of show it and say isn't this horrible but that has nothing to do with why everything i mean literally everything falls apart because the other the the corporate overlords are like and then never mind we're just gonna do something else now that's it that's the whole reason you know exactly and then the the governor the governor is left in charge and he was also sanctioning all the torture and the videos right he he just has a change of heart really that's it (laughs) oh i guess we should not do this anymore 
wait, they're gone. Okay, we can keep doing it. Um, so do they satire? Yeah. Does does who get into satirizing other things much? Governments, I guess, you know, would be another one. No, I mean, so there was, a, a, I think you mentioned this in an earlier podcast, um, uh, avid view, avid listeners will be able to find it. Um, if you're viewing it also, I suppose you're just looking at it. <laughs> but, um, uh, is there, I talk about the Happiness Patrol, which is a story we'll watch at some point, but Seventh Doctor episode that was supposed to be sort of a satire of conservative Thatcher government uh, in the late 80s. But um uh and even that it's a bit i i don't know maybe if you're british you find that more so it's a bit of a stretch i think uh but yeah no they did they didn't really if they were going to try to make a a point a political point or just kind of any kind of issue episode it was usually pretty on the nose like (laughs) very uh early doctor who in particular which you would would imagine would happen in the early 60s a generation sort of influenced by world war ii especially in the uk early doctor who was very anti-pacifist uh <laughs> which is very like oh you know pacifism is terrible and and you know these these people you got to fight to protect yourself and stuff like that it, it shifts in the in the later years as, as time changes obviously um but again those were very allegorical stories like right it, it was it was it was not a sat- subtle satire it was more just a direct like Oh, people are like the these aliens, and 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 some people are like these other aliens, and look how you know it was not it was not a particularly subtle uh, a statement, um, which is you know it's interesting because Doctor Who could do that more, like you could do more satire. Um, there's a later episode this season of the Ninth Doctor where we will actually parody a lot of reality shows. Um, and I would have paired it with this episode with Vengeance and Virus, but actually, um, it works with some other ones too. But, um, uh, but again, it's like, it's not as much a, a satire of those shows. It is just, haha, isn't it funny that, you know, uh, the weakest link is now hosted by a robot that disintegrates people like that, <laughs> <laughs> which is less a subtle, you know, statement than it is just a, oh, isn't this funny? No, um, our second theme was violence. We've already sort of talked about it some in general i i've noticed in many of the episodes well and this it's funny there's moments of violence but then other around the moments of sort of shocking violence again there's like going extremely slow on golf carts and like not <laughs> touching each other and i'm i'm definitely seeing a lot of there seem there seems to not really be much violence at all or much action i guess i should say it's a lot of slow moving and talking and you know i mean even the daleks in a way are like if thinking of the daleks as a classic villain well they just kind of roll around i mean like you know and then and then they shock you but i'm saying there's not like moving or there's not a lot of action <laughs> and violence to doctor who that i have seen so far so it's interesting is that vengeance on virus was very controversial in this day it was considered horribly violent so you gotta remember too bbc is broadcasting bbc so it's government broadcasting right this is this is technically you know Parliament. There were sometimes questions asked in Parliament about Doctor Who was too horrific. There was also an organization in the 70s and 80s called the National Viewers and Listeners Association, headed by a woman named Mary Whitehouse, who sounds like some fun, sound like some fun people. Yeah, great people. I mean, basically, you know, um, you know, in Parks and Rec, the the, the couple that <laughs> yeah. were the citizens. It's basically those people um, uh, without the gay husband. Uh, and uh, yeah, Mary Whitehouse. Um, hated Doctor Who. She thought it was very violent uh, and terrible for kids uh, and too horrific. And she's very concerned about the effect it was having on children. Um, and so really her heyday was before this, but she definitely um, uh, was not wild about uh, these episodes either. Although Doctor Who fans also criticize these episodes. Um, but uh, yeah, she was, uh, so violence was a big thing with them and, and you know, how much they could show and what they could show. Um, and, um, and, and she would be highly critical of these things. Uh, and um and it was definitely this season of Doctor Who, the Benjamin Faro season, definitely had a lot of violence. Um, and uh, more, you know, there's the episode before this is Attack of the Cybermen. And there's a guy who gets his hands mangled by Cybermen, which you'll meet Cybermen soon. And they get, they're all bloody. And there's a, a later thing with a, a doctor and a cannibal. And it, it, it is very, for Doctor Who, it's very violent. Uh, and... Uh, and it definitely, you know, they they did at the end of the season step back and say this is the, the sort of controllers of the BBC said no, no, this is too much, um, and so they did sort of walk this back. 
Uh, and again, it became like I think we talked about in earlier episodes. It became a thing for the new series of like, well, what do you, you know, Doctor Who? Uh, somebody dies in the second, third episode of the series, like night. Remember with the this caveman one, like the old, old, old yeah. mother, or whatever, she dies, right? And and then they crush the other guy's head with a rock. Like I mean, it's it's violent, and death happens from the beginning. And so they, when they started the new series, in sort of an age where people, I think, were more sensitive about these things, in some ways, they sort of said, "Well, what are we going to do? Is there going to be violence here? Are people going to die or not?" And what I like about Doctor Who and why I think it's a good show for kids is, that, of course, there's violence everywhere. Violence is all around, um, and uh, and so kids just need to get used to it. No, uh, <laughs> like if you, <laughs> if uh, uh, no, it's like, but comment on it, right? And this is the new series. I think is really good at this: is that when someone dies, it's sad. Or it's it's remarked upon like it's a shame they die. Even bad people, it's like oh they shouldn't they shouldn't die, um, and and that's and I you know whereas again that's I think that's what jars so much about Varos is the glibness with which the doctor the acid bath and then the things at the end yeah. of the tentacles hit them on the thing and we, oh, we right. skipped. We did skip. I'm surprised you did not recap the old men in diapers who menaced them. <laughs> one of the worst moments. Oh, my God. I forgot about them. <laughs> Some out of shape old men sort of wearing diapers All and right, sort well, of growl at them. <laughs> I'm going to throw an audible here and say theme number three, old men in menacing old men in diapers. <laughs> John, there are over 295 Doctor Who stories. We, so far, have ranked 10 of them. You can, by the way, find our rankings at mindprobe.show slash rankings. Only you can't. Can you now? No, now you can. Oh, That's okay. what I'm telling you. Well, that is fun. Yeah. That is fun. I mean, we've been telling people they've been there since the beginning. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice to actually feel that that's true. One should always lie to one's feeling. fans. That's always the important thing. Well, I was sort of it. throwing my proverbial hat over the website oh. wall to Ooh. say we must have rankings. And now they're there. In fact, I'm going to show you how to edit the rankings and you will now be in charge of editing oh, the rankings. That is awesome. Yes. I'm going to start running the web page. So the flying toaster graphics are going to wow people. That's right. So, okay, I'll go first. Uh, these are both terrible. Uh, <laughs> at the bottom of the list. Um, but I, I put, uh, I really, again, I know this is, we have, it's funny how we have a couple episodes where we're completely opposite on. I, last week, last episode, mm. uh, ranked uh, the new episode Dalek pretty low. And I, I'm still actually going to keep it pretty low. I like the long game a little better than Dalek. Again, this mainly had to do with the supporting cast in Dalek. I just didn't really like the billionaire and all those people. I didn't mind the people in the long game, and I thought Simon Pegg did a great job. So uh, I have it a little higher than that, but it's below all the other ones. <laughs> um, but but hmm. to Coming number twelve in. with a bullet, <laughs> vengeance on Varos, and I'm and I'm sure that there will be contenders here. But I'm interested to see which can which <laughs> contenders are going to be with this because there were so many aspects. Like it was, there were just sort of a non interesting plot that was happening, and that's fine, and that was going along. And then, like, as the episode went on, it just started upping itself with, like, how bad, like, the fly sequence, the old men in diapers, which we both blocked out until we, until just then when we when we remembered it. There were just such horrible things happening in this episode. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what beats it out. But um, although you said this is one of the better stories of his run. So yeah. there'll be other ones in there that'll be stinkers, too. But I don't know. So um, I think to me, the, once they go on the bottom of the list, are going to be ones that were like this is fun and not in a way this is bad and not in a fun way of oh i might want to watch this in a kitschy way and it's like i don't want to watch this again you know it just wasn't very good what how did you rank these yeah well for once we're in agreement uh <laughs> i um i put uh the long game is uh, is at number 11 after warriors of the deep i it's not a bad episode i uh and i a lot of people don't like warriors of the deep and would probably put it this higher but um I like Warriors of the Deep. It's rewatchable because it has the yeah. Um, I like Warriors of the Deep. Yeah, it has the it has the Silurians and the Sea Devils, and that's kind of fun. And it's got a returning monsters, and that's kind of cool. Long game. It's well done. Simon Pegg is great. It's a good story. It's just not one you would go back and rewatch that much. Um, yeah. Not that that's a silly. I guess that is a criteria for me, who's watched these many many times. But for other people, <laughs> for normal people, but no, it, it, it's unremarkable. Um, Vengeance on Virus is definitely at the bottom of the list. Uh, it is. Uh, I. I it is 
I don't like the portrayal of the doctor. I don't like the violence. It doesn't, it doesn't jive with the rest of the series. Um, I think the story is a mess. They don't show up for 23 minutes. I mean, if the doctor's <laughs> the star of the show and doesn't show up for 25 minutes, which in, in the old times would have been a full episode, right? I mean, he doesn't basically, right, he right. skips episode one to stand in right, the Right. These happen to be 45 minute episodes yeah. too, which are. Yeah. Rough. That was a, that was a, yeah, that was sort of a change in the form we talked about before. Um, so yeah, it's just, it just, it didn't work. Um, again, Baker clearly is a good actor. He's redeemed himself. I, I really think it's a story that just does not serve him well here. And I think it, it's not his fault. Um, and uh, yeah, Vengeance. Uh, now uh, there are other. <laughs> you, when you were recounting that, you sounded like <laughs> my daughter talking about salad or something. You're like, I just, I don't like it. I don't, I don't want it. I and I don't like it. <laughs> uh, uh, the. Um, yeah, there are there may be one or two other stories that may vie with Vengeance of Earth to be slightly higher on the Sixth Doctor's reign, but uh, the wor- generally regarded as one of the possibly the worst Doctor Who episode ever is the Twin Dilemma, which is the Sixth Doctor's debut story, which pretty much tells you we'll get to that at some the point. Six, the say it again. The what? The Sixth Doctor's debut story. His first oh, okay. episode uh, is called. I the thought you said Dilemma. the sixth. I thought you said the sixth Doctor's sex abuse story. I was like, dear God. <laughs> yes. Again, going back to another, uh, when he was a bicycle repairman. <laughs> Emmanuel Lewis is, uh, is on the episode. And, it just yeah. it went in a direction you were not expecting. So, yeah, Vengeance on Varus, bottom of the barrel. Well, John, if people want to give us feedback, if we have big, if we have probers who are big Vengeance on Varus fans <laughs> and want to give us feedback, um, they can go to mindprobe.show. They can see notes from the old episodes, uh, our complete rankings at mindprobe.show dot show slash rankings uh they can see how to send us a note you can also uh twitter at me tweet at me tweet tweet at me that's uh, fun i'm at porter mason and i'd I'd love to hear from you please use a hashtag i love to probe and then that's how i'll know (laughs) that you're talking to you probe otherwise that's the only way i'll know you're talking to me about this podcast because i i (laughs) i am a what's called context clue blind i oh. i can't so if you just start talking to me about doctor who i'll be like who who are you get out of here are if a lot of people use... tweeting at you for other things <laughs> yes yes all the time all the time um but it, but if you use hashtag i love to, to probe and so do you hmm. hashtag and then you have to spell the word hashtag so mm-hmm. hashtag i love to probe and so do you the word hashtag <laughs> no not the mind probe then I will um, I will respond. Otherwise, no deal. Your date of birth and social security number, just to track you. <laughs> uh, what do we have in store for next episode, John Grant? Uh, okay, well, next episode, uh, we'll be continuing our, our march in order, uh, and we'll be looking at an episode called Father's Day. This is the next Ooh. Ninth Doctor episode. Um, very interesting episode, and and in an effort to redeem the classic series after the after we've plumbed the depths of Vengeance on Varos, um, <laughs> we're going to go back to the first Doctor and Barbara, Ian, and Susan in one of my absolute favorites, and and sort of considered an all time classic, uh, the Aztec. Oh, uh, and so yeah, you've mentioned the first this a, season a few times. Yeah, yeah, this is a great episode. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so I think we're, we're going to be exploring history and, and the, the consequences of interfering with history uh, uh, at our next podcast, which could be next week or could, could be, be some could be tomorrow. Future. You don't know. It can happen. Constantly refresh your podcast. Constantly refresh <laughs> and just listen to this episode again, because maybe we've changed it to a new episode. We just gave it the same title. <laughs> You don't know until you've listened all the way through. You don't know. But you got to stand in your shower, Joel, for an hour and a half to, to finish this episode. Now, John, are we about halfway through with the first season? Is that right? Uh, yes, we are. So we're uh, this will be actually we're, we're past that. Uh, yeah. So uh, Father's Day will be episode uh, seven. And it is a um, well, no, you're right. I'm not podcast episode number wise. Yes, we are over halfway through with this one. Was that a garble? <laughs> yeah, how many episodes are in the are in the first season uh, of, so, the, of, the, of the of the 2005 series? Uh, so, um, I guess you can include the Christmas. Um, I believe it's special. four. I think it's fourteen. That sounds oh, okay. So this would be the halfway point. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we worked that out. Thirteen, thirteen, <laughs> thirteen episodes. Then a Christmas episode. And that is that. Whew, that's a wrap. That's a wrap, people.
That's a that's a series wrap for John Grant. We're replacing <laughs> you, by the way. Next, next. I'm sorry, uh, Vengeance uh, on Varus. It's just one you got to watch. I'm sorry. No, it's we okay. Had we had to do a six Doctor one. We had to do a six. Uh, no, uh, next week is excellent. Uh, it's a black and white one. Barbary and Scissorback. You will like it. Um, you will like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you now. You will like it. It's very stagey, uh, but in a very good way. And uh, and Father's Day, it'll be interesting uh, how you react to that. It's been a while since I've watched that one. I need to watch it again. Now, that's a series wrap for John Grant, everybody. Um, he's done wonderful work on No Not in the Mind Pro, but Colin Baker is actually going to take over. <laughs> And be yeah. really angry about it. He's not happy. <laughs> Water me, John. I must look my best to assume the emperorship of this primitive planet. Oh, yes, I will wear the mantle of power so, so handsomely. But I don't know. What do you think? This mantle of power, am I pulling it off? Is it working? I don't know. Maybe I just do a tank top. What, what do you think? If you weren't covered in water, I think it would work better. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I must constantly be misted. <laughs> can, you, can you do the sill laugh? I can't even do it. It's wonderful. I'm so good at it. Yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't. And so we must end the podcast. (laughs) John, I want to hear you scream till I'm deaf with pleasure. It's a complex line to unpack because you'd be deaf, Mm -hmm. but you'd be Mm -hmm. happy, I guess, but you wouldn't be able to hear the screaming anymore. Because it was making you deaf. Maybe you're screaming. (laughs) We're going to... We yeah. need a um, spin-off podcast about just this one line. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what the boys in the lab have to say about this. <laughs>